God. And you'll want to be back into the presence of God. Amen. There's something that happens. There's something that takes place whenever we surrender in the presence of God. Amen. And there is a, a move of the Holy Ghost that God wants to just let happen in this place today. But you and I have to be willing, amen, to open up our lives. Right. Amen. To open up ourselves and say, God, we, we want whatever you have for us. Amen. Amen. If you're here in this place today and you have need of something, you came and you have need of something, I wonder if you just, whether it's financial, physical, spiritual, emotional, whatever it is, if you have need of something, why don't you just stretch your hand out real quick? Amen. Look at all the needs that are in the house. It, it honestly does not matter how good I preach. It doesn't matter how good we sing. None of that matters. It, it wouldn't matter if we were in a cathedral, if we were in a state-of-the-art facility today, if we were in a, a coliseum. It wouldn't matter. What matters is we're in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, anything can change. Anything can happen. And so this is what I want you to do. All of you that just stretched your hands out and you said, I have a need today. This is what I want you to do. I want you to realize that I can't meet your need. We can't meet your need. This church probably can't meet your need. But we are worshiping the one who can. Amen. So what I want you to do is I want you to stretch your hands out right now. And I want you just to ask God, whatever you have need of, say, God. I want to put this in your hands before the preaching happens, before anything else. I just want to put this in your hands, that healing, God, that I want to put in your hands, that financial miracle, I need to put it in your hands right now. God, that situation with my family, I put it in your hands right now. Hallelujah. That anxiety I've been feeling, I put it in your hands right now, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. God, I surrender to you whatever you want. Even if you don't fix it the way I think you should fix it, God, you can fix me in the process. Hallelujah. Even if you don't do it the way I think you should do it, God, you can do whatever you want to do because you're God and I surrender it to you right now. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. He is a weight maker. Amen. He's a miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. Amen. And sometimes he'll do exactly what you think he will do, and most of the time he won't. Sometimes what he's working on is not the, the, the problem, fixing the problem, but fixing us in the problem. Sometimes it's our attitude and our spirit and our expectation that needs an adjustment, not the problem. Amen? I want God to fix this, and I want Him to fix that, and many times He won't. I want Him to fix this. <laughs> right? But what, what is happening is there's things that are going on under the surface that you and I, we need God to work on us. Amen? And I don't care if this ever gets fixed, if God doesn't fix me, if I'm not ready. Amen. If my heart's not right and he comes back. Amen. I was talking to my son last night and he said, Dad, it hurts when you get burned. I said, it sure does. I said, that's why you don't want to go to hell. And he said, that would be really bad. I said, yeah. I said, can you imagine being on fire burning for eternity? I said, Ashton, 
We don't want anybody to go there. We don't want anybody to experience that. And if that doesn't motivate you, if that doesn't change your thinking, God, whatever you have to do to me, God, whatever I have to go through, whatever I have to experience in order for you to have the glory in my life, in order for you to be glorified by everything I say and do, then we're missing the point. Amen. I want to make heaven my home. I don't want to go to a place that was not meant for me, that was not meant for you. Hallelujah. So I surrender, God, whatever you want. Whatever you want from me. Whatever you have to do. Whatever has to take place in my life for you to work on me. Amen? That's how I feel today. And I, I've been really praying about what God would have for us today. And I feel like I've, I've got the mind of God. I, I, I want to welcome all of you, especially those who are watching online. Thank you for checking us out online. Amen. I'm A.J. Dummett. I'm the pastor, and I'm, I'm glad that you're watching us. I know that most people check us out online before they come here, so thank you for checking us out. We hope to see you really soon, and uh, I'm, I'm just excited about what God wants to do in this service. Man, we exist today, and, and I'm going to let you be seated. We exist today in a culture that is, for the most part, it's anti-God. Most people have labeled it a post uh, post-modern or post-Christian era. And so that means we are beyond Christianity in the minds of most or the majority of the people in our culture. Society promotes now those who have a rebellious nature or a bad image. And the scripture talks about it. They call evil good and good evil. We're, we're in that society, right? Uh, people lie, they, they cheat, they steal, they and they think nothing of it. Uh, we We have all kinds of craziness that goes on and it seems like there's so much chaos in our world today. Our human nature exalts itself above the needs and the feelings of others and especially the uh, principles that God has for our lives and by doing this we enter into more and more chaos. Chaos exists because things are out of balance. In outer space, where there is no gravity, special gear must be worn and certain things must be prepared for. And if they are not, things just float around everywhere with no direction. Chaos in its most simple form. You see, we're taught by society that we should promote ourselves, but that's not what God's Word teaches us. God's Word tells us that we must lift Him up. So many people, even popular people, have weighed in on what they think about Jesus Christ and what they think about his word and what they think about his principles. But I will say this before we even get started. Jesus is the most gravitational person that has ever existed. Jesus Christ stepped into time and, and he split time in half, B.C. and A.D. Amen. He came and there is not one person that has been talked about more than Jesus Christ. Of all the leaders and all the popular people that our society has, there's not one person that has been more popular or more gravitational than Jesus Christ. Just listen to some of the things that people have said about him. Uh, Gandhi said a man who was completely innocent offered himself as a sacrifice for the good of others, including his enemies, and became the ransom of the world. It was a perfect act. That's what Gandhi said. Napoleon Bonaparte said... Alexander, Caesar, Charlemagne, and myself founded empires, but what foundation did we rest the creations of our genius? Upon force. Jesus Christ founded an empire upon love, and this hour, 
And he said, and at this hour, millions of men would die for him. Desiderius Erasmus said, by a carpenter, mankind was made, and only by that carpenter can mankind be remade. John Calvin said, each eye can have its vision separately, but when we are looking at anything, our vision, which in itself is divided, joins up and unites in order to give itself as a whole to the object that is put before it. That's basically telling us that when we see Jesus, when we look at Jesus, there is something that we have to come into uh, focus with. Mother Teresa said, I believe in person to person, every person is Christ for me. And since there is only one Jesus, that person is the one person in the world at that moment. Blaise Pascal said, Jesus is the God whom we can approach without pride and before whom we can humble ourselves without despair. Chris Lyons said, Jesus says, I love you just the way you are, and I love you too much to let you stay the way you are. John Lennon of the world-famous Beatles said, Jesus was all right, but his disciples were thick and ordinary. It's them twisting it that ruins it for me. And then in a later uh, interview, he said, we're more popular, talking about the Beatles, he said, we're more popular than Jesus Christ now. I don't know which will go first, rock and roll or Christianity. Mikhail Gorbachev said Jesus was the first socialist to, to first seek a better life for mankind. Billy Graham said the men who followed him were unique in their generation. They turned the world upside down because their hearts had been turned right side up. The world has never been the same. Thomas Jefferson, third president of the United States, said, Had the doctrines of Jesus been preached always as pure as they came from his lips, the whole civilized world would now have been Christian. Jay-Z says, Jesus can't save you. Life starts where the church ends. President Donald Trump has been quoted as saying, Jesus to me is somebody I can think about for security and confidence. He said, somebody I can revere in terms of bravery and in terms of courage. And because I consider the Christian religion so important, somebody I can totally rely on in my own mind. And then lastly, Oprah Winfrey says, how can there only be one way to heaven or to God? When a lady in her audience then asks after this question, well, what about Jesus? Oprah defiantly answered by her, her by repeating the question and said, what about Jesus? So this is kind of the big question in my mind. I just said Jesus is the most gravitational figure that ever lived. And you got people that before millions of people on television would say, and what about Jesus? What about Jesus? Colossians 1.17 in our scripture today, in our text says, and he, Jesus, is before all things, and by him all things consist. The Greek verb here that, that is the word consist means to cohere, to preserve, or to hold together. Everybody say hold together. By Jesus, all things hold together. The word is used in Colossians in its perfect tense, which normally implies a present continuing state arising from completed past action. One physical mechanism used, obviously, in our society, in our world, is gravity. It was established by the Creator and still maintained without flaw until today. Consider the alternative, if you would. Just, just, just for a moment, if gravity ceased for just a moment. If gravity just whew, 
was gone. Instant chaos would result. All heavenly objects, including the earth, the moon, and the stars, would no longer hold together. Everything would immediately disintegrate into small fragments because the, the life that we understand, the world that we understand, and the law of gravity that holds things in place would cease to exist and all in just a moment would disappear. Only by the gravity of the gospel... And only by Jesus Christ giving us salvation freely can everything in our life be held together. By him, by Jesus, all things consist. By him, all things are held together. So if you're here today and things seem out of balance in your life, if you're here today and things seem chaotic in your life, let me just tell you the one who can hold it all together. The reason that you're facing this chaos is because life goes back to that question, well, what about Jesus? Who is he in your life? What is Jesus to you? Now, I told you what all these other people said about Jesus, but, and they could have changed their mind. I don't know. I'm not trying to, you know, paint them in a bad light. I'm just saying that's what they said. They're public figures. They said it. They were quoted. Uh, you can go find them for yourself on the internet. I, I got no problem with that. They might have changed their mind. They could have become a Christian by now. I don't know. But my point is, you have to answer that question. What about Jesus? Who is he in your life? What, what kind of a figure will he be in your life? So let's look into the Bible for even more on this. In John chapter 3 and verse 13 says, And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. It's saying, by Jesus, everything is held together. In Jesus, every one of us can have eternal life. In Jesus, everything can be made balanced in your life. But without Jesus, you will perish. Without Jesus, without answering that question, things will be chaotic. Things will not be held together. You'll always feel like you're coming apart. Amen. And so that story in John points us back to a story in the book of Numbers that is, it's not just a story, it's actually a true uh, a happening that, that deals with some things in the, the Old Testament. Numbers 21 and verse 5, And the people spake against God, and they spake against Moses, Where have, Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there water anywhere, and our soul loathes this light bread, or this manna that they were eating. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much of the people of Israel died. Did you read that the same way that I read that? The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. Well, the Lord, he will, he, he's a God of love. He would never do anything like that. Well, you're not reading the Bible right. God in his mercy sends fiery serpents into the midst of them. I don't know what I'm going through. I don't understand why I'm going. You know, a lot of times we just bring stupid on ourselves. We do. I mean, we do. We do dumb stuff and we bring stupid on ourselves. And I pray every once in a while, I pray, God, please forgive me for the stupid stuff I've done. I mean, just stupid stuff just brings trouble into my life, just bring chaos into my life. I knew better and I made a bad decision and brought it on myself. But this is one of those cases where, yeah, they did stupid and they brought this on themselves, but God sent the judgment. God sent 
the warning. God sent the, 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 the instruction for them through fiery serpents. Now, I, I don't know if you like that or not, but that's what the Bible says. That's, I can't change it. So the Bible says, therefore, the people came to Moses and said, we have sinned. Now, they realized, had they not been bitten by fiery serpents, they would not have realized they had sinned. Sometimes it starts taking the effects and the consequences of our sin to help us realize that we've sinned. So when you're praying for somebody that's, that's away from God, you don't pray, oh, God bless them, just help them, just touch them, just be with them, protect them. No, you pray like my grandma used to pray. God, whatever you have to do short of killing them. Whatever you have to do, God, I mean, whatever it takes, short of them dying, that's what, whatever it takes for them to be saved, that's what I want to happen. Oh, I don't want to pray like that because I don't want anything to happen. Would you rather them go to hell? Well, that's, boy, pastor, that's serious. That's all right. I'm going to just be real with you here today. Some of us, we need to quit praying our good Pentecostal patty cake prayers for people because they're not working. People are making dumb decisions, bad decisions, and they're, they're letting sin reign in their life. And they're not on their way to heaven. And as, as good as things may be and as wonderful as things may be in their life, they need to realize that they're living in sin. Amen. So the people came and they said, We have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. Now, I want you to understand this. This is what did they pray for. God, take away the serpents. That's what they prayed. But did God take away the serpents? And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent, and set it up on a pole, and it shall come to pass that every one that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. Wait a second. I mean, they prayed for God to take away the serpents, and he didn't take away the serpents. The Bible says that he will, with the temptation, also make a way of escape. So what he did, instead of taking away the serpents from among them, was he gave them a way to escape. All right, now some of you are like, well, I don't like that. I don't like snakes. I don't like talking about this. I especially don't like to identify sin in my life and expose it in front of everybody. But this is what Moses did. He made a serpent of brass, and he put it on a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. People were putting themselves and their needs and their feelings above God and above God's leadership. Seems like pretty much society today. We think about ourselves. We, we do what's best for us. If it's convenient, we'll come to church. If it's convenient, you know, we'll be a part of a local church. But, you know, it, if it's not convenient, we, we got other things to do. When it becomes too real, too personal... Or I'm challenged too much. I got to go find another church that won't challenge me so much that I can just go to on Sundays and just enjoy a nice service and hear some good singing. And it's, it's really quiet in here today. That's all right. Look, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. How many of you watched the wedding? Oh, nobody. Awesome. Okay, a couple of you watched the wedding. How many of you realized that what that preacher was preaching, and I didn't even watch the whole thing, but what the preacher was preaching, he was just preaching the gospel. That's what, that's what he was preaching. He was preaching the gospel. There was a royal wedding. For those of you, um, let me catch you up. There was a royal wedding that happened yesterday. Anyways, it's not really that big a deal to me, okay? I know some people, like, they got up and they were watching it on the Facebook Live, and it was such a big deal. But the, 
the preacher, he was kind of a Pentecostal preacher, if, if you didn't know that. The choir was Pentecostal. It, it was kind of a, I, from the little clips that I saw, it was a pretty neat, pretty neat thing. But somebody talked about why his preaching was so good. Now, I don't know. I haven't heard the whole thing, but they were talking about why his preaching was so good, and they said it was a clear presentation of the gospel. At a wedding. Go figure. Why? Because all the world was watching. There was a lot of people that were tuned in to see uh, Harry and Meghan. They, they were tuned in to see the, all the, the, you know, the, the important people that the camera would cut to. And they wanted to see people's outfits. And they wanted to see all the uh, things that were going on. And lo and behold, the preacher comes in and he preaches the gospel. But, you know, people uh, in our society, they're like, yeah, we don't have time for that. So, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't know the guy. I never met the guy. I wouldn't vouch for the guy or his doctrine. But the fact that he preached the gospel and he preached it clearly, I applaud him for that. That's a good thing because somebody got to hear the gospel yesterday. That's, that's a good thing. Amen. But I will say this, and I will make it very plain. God did not tolerate their insolence for very long. God did not tolerate their rebellion for very long. He allowed, in his mercy, he allowed these fiery serpents, put these fiery serpents among them. Man. I know, you know, people say, well, that's, you know, that, I, I don't, I don't agree with that version of God. Well, it, it doesn't matter what you agree with. It doesn't matter what you make up as God in your mind. You're wrong. The only, the only thing that's right is this book. It's his book. It tells us about him. It exp if, he, if the scripture says that he did it, he did it. So why does he do this? The people begin to die because the poisonous snakes are biting them. And, and, and I can tell you that we always find ourselves infested with sin and with pride when we put anything above God in our life. Let me, let me just say that one more time. Anything that you put above God in your life, anything that becomes more important than you growing spiritually and becoming who God wants you to be, that right there infests you with sin and with pride. And it just takes a little bit of pride. It just takes a little bit of pride to say, I don't need this church anymore just takes a little bit of pride to say, I don't need this person teaching me a Bible study anymore. I don't need to grow spiritually. You know, I'm thankful for salvation. Hallelujah. I'll come raise my hands at church. But that, you know, I don't really need any more than that. Just takes a little bit of pride. But the scripture says, humble yourselves before the mighty hand of God. So when, when the Bible tells me to humble myself, that means pride's got to go. If there's any pride, somebody say any pride. You know, I, I, I saw a skit one time about a guy he was making uh he, he was his son wanted to go watch a rated r movie you know what anybody know what i'm talking about wonder watch a rated r movie and he's like dad he's like but son there, there's probably a lot of language in that there's probably a lot of you know uh you know some very immoral stuff in there there's probably a lot of violence and he's like dad it's just a little bit of violence it's just a little bit. It's not a whole lot. Just a little bit of blood. Not, not a whole lot. Just a little bit of language. It's really, it, it's, it's, not, it's not that bad, Dad. It's really, you know, I, I, don't, I, don't even, I won't even pay attention. It's just a little bit. And he just keeps going on about how it's just a little bit. And so he tells his son, he's made him some brownies, right? And he said, I made you some brownies. Made you your favorite brownies. He's like, oh, okay. And he said, he said yeah. And so he starts eating them. And he said, yeah. He said, he said, do you, you like him? He's like, yeah. He said, yeah, I made him a little something, just a little new ingredient, a little something put in there. And he's like, well, 
I taste it. What is it? And he said, he said, well, it's just a little bit of dog poop from the yard. He says, just a little bit, though, just a little bit, just a little bit, not, not that much, just a little bit. And so, of course, the boy's spitting out the bread. Dad, what are you doing? Why? It's just a little bit. And he's like, if you didn't want me to go to that rated R movie, you could have just said so. You didn't have to make me poop brownies. Now, the point is, a lot of times we justify a little bit of pride in our life. We justify a little bit of immorality in our life. We just, oh, it's just a little bit. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. But any pride will drive us further away from God. Any pride in us will keep us from growing spiritually. So that's why we humble ourselves. Moses did as God commanded. He lifted up this brass serpent upon a pole. And he, well, the people were supposed to look at it when they were bitten. This is basically the means that God showed them mercy. Number one, he didn't let them live in their sin. He sent the fiery serpents. Number two, he tells Moses how that they can be made whole. He puts the serpent up on the pole. And he said they just have to look at it. Because he will, with the temptation, always make a way of escape. So, even when we don't deserve it, even when you don't deserve it, if you will turn back to him, if you will begin to lift him up and look up to him, he will bring gravity and balance into your chaos. Amen. He loves you. He's, come on, somebody. He gave his life to save you. He gave his life so that you could have balance and you could have eternity with him. John chapter 12 and verse 32, Jesus said, And I, if I be lifted up from the earth, will draw all men unto me. This he said, signifying what death he should die. The people answered him, We have heard out of the law that Christ abideth forever. How sayest thou? The Son of Man must be lifted up. Who is this Son of Man? Then Jesus said unto them, Yet a little while is the light with you. Walk while ye have the light, lest darkness come upon you. For he that walketh in darkness knoweth not whither he goeth. While ye have light, believe in the light, that ye may be the children of light. It's a conditional statement. If, Jesus said, if I be lifted up. If they would only look up to the serpent after they were bitten. Now, I, I don't know about you, but man, that really just kind of, uh, we, we see this whole deal play out. This this brass serpent, this bronze serpent that was raised, they had to look up at it. They had to acknowledge. Well, they would have been just completely uh, crazy to not look up. I mean, it would have been just, uh, just insane. You know, yeah, it would have been nice to have the serpents removed, but sometimes God doesn't choose to remove all of our problems. Well, why does God allow sin on the earth? Same reason. Because God is not going to make us puppets or robots. He gave us free will and he lets us make choices. If he removed all the sin from the earth and all the bad and all the evil from the earth, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have a choice. We wouldn't have free will. Why do people walk into schools and start shooting? Because there's evil in us. Because there's evil in people. You know, and I, I, I'm not trying to, I'm not making any political statements here today, but I'm just telling you, guns are not the problem just like knives are not the problem. People are the problem. We are the problem. Sin is the problem. Amen. And if we really want to acknowledge what's going on, we need to acknowledge the sin in our society. Amen. The fact that we've kicked God out of our public schools and, and he's not part of academia today. And we've got to acknowledge that we have sinned and that there's sin in our culture. 
many people say that this only meant when Jesus Christ was crucified on Calvary's cross. And that, that's, it does mean that, if I be lifted up. That's what it meant. It, just like the serpent was raised, Jesus Christ was raised from the earth on a, on a, on a pole, basically. Right? That, that is what it means. But it means even more than that. It goes even further than just the serpent being lifted up on the pole. Jesus being lifted up on the cross. When Jesus Christ was crucified, when he was buried and he rose again, he took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. So the poison that was supposed to kill us, sin, is now no longer uh, going to have the same effect when we look to the cross. The thing that was meant to take us out, that was our own doing, that we brought upon ourselves. Amen. Amen. The only way that we have remission of sins is through his blood on Calvary. Amen. The only way that we have hope is through Jesus Christ. We've got to look to him. And so when we do, balance and gravity come to the chaos in our lives. You say, well, how does that happen? You know, I, I can't explain it just like I can't explain gravity to you. I mean, I could tell you, you know, if there weren't gravity here today or I was exempt from gravity, I could just float around this place. It'd be awesome. If, if there wasn't gravity, yeah, I could get on the scales and, you know, the scales would not say what they say. That would be nice. But it, it would be hard to stand on the scales if there were no gravity because the scales would have no weight, so we'd just be floating around. You say, well, pastor, I don't understand uh, that, that chaos, that, you know, uh, seemingly aimless floating around. What, what are you saying by gravity? Jesus Christ is the thing that holds everything together. The scripture says by him, all things consist. Everything is held together by him. Everything is held in place by Jesus Christ. The scripture even goes on to say that in him, we live and we move and we have our being. The only way that we have salvation, the only way that we have eternity is through Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not by our works of righteousness. It's not by anything that we can do. Amen. It's by Jesus Christ and what he did for us. Amen. Aren't you glad that you have a, a way to escape lust, sin, and death? Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm so thankful. The scripture says, lust, when it hath conceived, bring forth sin. Sin, when it is finished, brings forth death, right? Uh, my, my uncle uh, used to make fun of that. He's a little bit older. And uh, back in his day, LSD was a big thing. And so he says, LSD, lust, sin, and death. That's the, that's the big one right there. Amen. You want to steer clear. that You want to be able to avoid lust, sin, and death. And the only way that you can do that is through the power of Jesus Christ. But there is more. There is more than just that. Jesus draws people by the circumstances in their life. I want you to look at Numbers 21 again. Israel had sinned against God. They repented, asked God that he would remove the serpents. He didn't, but instead he gives them a way to be saved from the serpents. Now, bronze was used to represent judgment. And the serpent was a symbol of sin. So, by the serpent being raised up, it was an acknowledgement that their sins had been judged. So, whenever they lifted up the serpent, it was like God saying, I see your sins and I've judged you for them. And so then when they would look up, when they would look up at the serpent, they would acknowledge they had sinned. They would acknowledge that they had been judged for their sin. And so it was their way of repenting. It was their way of turning back to God. Now, some of you, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not boring you. 
I, I hope that you know the, the the main theme, the main crux of of our world, what we exist, how we exist today. I hope that's not boring to you. Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The serpent was raised up. People could look up to the serpent. They could see, amen, that there was hope for them. They could see that there was a way out for them. And by looking at Jesus Christ and looking to Jesus on the cross, amen, there is a way out for you. There is a way to have balance in life. Amen. Amen. So it's very much the same for us today. Uh, that repentance is our acknowledgement of sin and our turning from sin. We acknowledge our sin. We turn from sin. We do not uh, want to stay in sin, just like they didn't want the serpents to stay there anymore. We don't want sin to remain in our life. Amen. We want to get rid of all the sin. How many of you, you would be okay if it was just a little snake that stayed in your house? But it's just a little snake, Pastor. It's not even a big deal. I mean, I know it's just, it's a baby copperhead. It's not even a big deal. It's just a little tiny. It's only about, only about that big, Pastor. No big deal. Do you know that those baby copperheads, they have more venom and they do not know how to restrict their venom like the adults do. So it's the little ones that are even more dangerous than the big ones. Some of y'all didn't know that. I, I found that out. And they smell like cucumbers too, by the way. Did y'all know that? How many of you knew that? You didn't, they smell, oh man, five of you, good. I found that out, chopping wood. When I was a teenager, and I smelled cucumbers, I was like, man, do you guys smell cucumbers? And they were like, well, that probably means there's copperheads around here. So I moved a big block of wood, and, well, look at that, there's a little nest of them. <laughs> yeah, it's very real, right? I wouldn't want one of those things left in my house. I wouldn't want one of those, because, you know, I know my kids are maturing and they're pretty responsible kids, but man, I wouldn't want to take the chance of that, that little snake biting one of my kids. Why would you want to leave any sin in your house? Well, it's quiet now. But pastor, it's not a big deal. I just, you know, it's just every once in a while. And, I, you know, let's not make a big thing out of it, pastor, because everybody has their vices. Well, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Everybody has their vices like, oh, it's okay for me to sin every once in a while. No. Paul said, don't let sin reign any longer in your members. You've got to eradicate it. You've got to get rid of it. It's got to come out. So how do I do this? Repentance. Acknowledging that you have sinned. Acknowledging that you are a sinner and that you need God's help. Baptism in the name of Jesus Christ. Washing away the sin. Amen. Getting rid of it. Don't let it stay any longer. Amen. And so then we begin to lift up the exalted one. God will fill us with his spirit. And that's what I want to talk about just in closing today. This, today is Pentecost Sunday. And most of you understand that Pentecost Sunday, uh, how many of you don't know, oh, no, no, no. how many of you know what Pentecost Sunday is? Just wave your hand at me. You know what Pentecost Sunday is. How many of you think it's, it's just the day that, the Holy Ghost was poured out. You think that's all it is. Okay, most of you know there's more to it, right? It was a feast day. It was an exciting day. Uh, it was a, a special day, the Feast of Weeks for the Hebrews. And it was seven weeks after Passover. And Passover happened, right? And Passover was when they crucified Jesus. He was buried. He rose again. Forty days he was seen of his disciples and the people. And then he says, go to Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father. And they go to Jerusalem. And ten days later, guess what happens? 
when the day of Pentecost was fully come, right? They were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Amen. That's what's so exciting about the day of Pentecost for us. It's when the Holy Ghost was being poured out on the church for the very first time. And so Jesus had already prefaced this in John 14. He tells his disciples, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And he talks about the Father going to give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. For he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. Amen. I will not leave you comfortless. Jesus said, I will come to you. And he did in the form of the Holy Spirit that was poured out and John 9 5 he said as long as I am in the world I am the light of the world in Acts 1 and verse 8 he said ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth and in Acts chapter 2 verse 32 this Jesus Peter's preaching when they said why are these people drunk at 9 a.m.? Peter's like, these people aren't drunk at 9 a.m. This is the stuff that Joel was prophesying about. And he begins to preach about what Jesus means to them. And he says, this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he hath shed forth this, which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith to himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore, let all the house of the Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus, whom ye crucified, both Lord and Christ. Right after hearing this, look, this is, they are all convicted. They knew, they, they, they realized, okay, the serpents are among us. We have messed up. We are being judged by God. They felt that conviction. They knew there had to be a response. And so in the very next verse, the scripture says that they responded because of the chaos in their life, because they realized they needed gravity. They said, what shall we do? What do we do? Life is chaotic. Life is out of balance. Life is messed up. We have blown it. Then Peter said unto them, if you don't know this verse, this is the verse you got to know. Repent. This is what he said. Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he said the promises unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Amen. The promises for you. If you look up Amen. And you see the serpent, the, the snake that bit you is not going to have any effect on you. If you look up to Jesus Christ and you acknowledge that you're a sinner and that you need his help, the poison of sin no longer has an effect on you. Come on, somebody. If you'll just look to Jesus, if you'll give him a chance today, you can have eternal life. He wants to bring balance. He wants to bring gravity into your chaos. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish with this. I told you there was more, right? The first one was the serpent being lifted up. That helped the, 
the children of Israel out of their mess because they were in a mess. The second was Jesus Christ being lifted up, which is the hope of all mankind. I mean, honestly, that is, that is the only hope that we have is Jesus Christ. We don't have any other hope. Amen. As the, the popular song that's out right now says, all my hope is in Jesus. Amen. Thank God my yesterday's gone. Why? Because every ounce of hope that I have is in Jesus Christ. I don't have any hope outside of the one who was raised up on the tree for me. Amen. But then let's take it one step further. Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And, and this is what happens when we, with our lives, begin to lift him up. We're no longer lifting him up on the tree, but now people see Jesus in us. When we lift him up, when God gets the glory in our life, when, when we uh, die out to ourself and our sin and our desires that are so carnal and they, we want this and we want that, and I, I think I should be able to look like this and do that, and I don't think the Bible needs to tell me anything, and I don't think I need God to show me anything. Well, that's pride and that's sin. And guess what? You, you're in a bad way. What you need is you need to be like, Jesus, whatever it takes for you to get glory and be lifted up, because you said if you would be lifted up, that you would draw all men to you. So God, I don't want to be somebody who repels people. I don't want to be somebody who pushes people away from you, but I want to be somebody who when people see me, they're drawn to you. They're drawn to your love. They're drawn to your mercy. They're drawn to your forgiveness. Amen. I want to be the kind of person that lifts Jesus up, that when people see me, they say, there's hope for me too. I didn't have hope, but if God can touch him, if God can save him, if God can do it for him, he can do it for me. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me today? If I be lifted up, Jesus said, when we truly lift him up, no human can resist the presence and the power of God in our services. That's why pastor will not settle for dead services. That's why I get frustrated when things don't go real well. I'm like, look, we got to get this. We got to do better. We have to have services that flow smoothly. We have to have services that are in tune with the power of God. Why? Because, yes, it's nice. You know, you can get up here and somebody that can preach can, you know, preach and the power of God will come down. But, man, it makes it so much better when everything just flows smoothly. Lift him up. Lift him up. Sometimes you got lazy bodies, but lift him up come in here and you oh I'm tired man I stayed up too late last night that's all right lift him up because he's worthy amen even though I'm tired even though I want to go to sleep I'm going to lift him up because he's worthy what happens in a service what happens when you don't feel good what what if okay say there's a hundred people what if we got 60 people in here that are tired and 20 people that this is their first time and 20 people that are serving somewhere in the church well then these people that are here for the very first time they're going to look around they're going to see us. and some of you like you're like you think you guys you, I, I just wish I could sometimes I just wish I could video from the front so you could see what you look like while I preach well that would be a, a good Facebook Live, right? Mm, mm. You, you learn to look at the people who smile. You learn to look at the people who are nodding their head, who are getting with it. Why? Because that that's, creates excitement. That creates energy. Your snoring isn't doing anything for anybody. 
Uh-oh, pastor, are you picking on me now? No, I'm saying when, when we come together and we fail to lift him up, we send the wrong message to the people who are visiting. We send the wrong message to the people who are looking in from the outside. But pastor, you don't understand. I just don't feel good. Well, I'm sure he didn't feel good when they were nailing him to the cross, but he did it anyways. Amen. I'm sure that when he knew in the garden, he said, not my will, but your will be done. We've got to push ourselves. Amen. We have to get beyond ourselves because something happens. Amen. When we say, look, I am ready to surrender to God, whatever it takes for him to get glory in my life. If you just lift him up, I bet you, you would see him change your situation or change you in the process. If you would just lift him up just a little bit, watch God change somebody's life around you. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus is drawing all people, but some people defiantly refuse to look. Some people refiantly, defiantly refuse to accept and acknowledge their sin and be free and have perfect balance in their life. What would it have been like, you and your friend, you both got bit? Fiery serpents, poison going through your body. You look up. You're like, oh. Oh, I feel so much better now. Look over and your friend's still not lifting his head up. Come on, man, just look up. No, no, I don't need to look up. I, I don't think that God knows what he's talking about. Why would he send these fiery serpents anyways, right? No, come on, man, just look up. If you look up, you're going to live. No, 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 I'm, I'm not letting God tell me what to do. See, that's how we act. The Bible can't, I, I don't need God to tell me anything. And you refuse to look up. You refuse to say, God, I need you. God, I'm, I'm nothing without you. God, I'm going to die if you don't help me here. Come on, somebody. I wonder if there's somebody in this house that you quit being so stubborn and prideful and you say, God, I'm here today to surrender. I'm here today to give you everything. I'm not going to hold back today, but I'm going to turn it over to you. If you'll just look to him. Amen. You may not understand it right now. What, what's a bronze serpent got to do with me? I don't understand why we'd have to look. We're getting bit by serpents. Why do we have to look to a serpent? I don't know. That's just what God came up with. That was his deal. Well, why do I have to repent of my sins, be baptized in Jesus' name, and, and receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, speaking in a language? I don't know. I didn't make it up. It's not my thing. It's his. All I'm telling you is what he said. Why did Noah have to build a boat? I don't know, but he did. Well, it's weird. It's, it's crazy. It seems so anti-cultural. You're right, but then again, culture is pretty chaotic. They call evil good and good evil. They promote murderers and adulterers and fornicators and people who are on their way to hell. And they act like they're the next best thing to slice bread. And we talk about them and we post pictures of them and articles about them. And we talk about them and read about them. And we're so amazed and infatuated by them. And Jesus is like, hello. Any time for me? If you'll just look up. If you'll, just, if you'll just give me some time, look what I can do in your life. I can make the chaos, amen, make sense. I can bring balance into your life. I can bring hope and joy and peace back in. Amen. So wherever you are today, 
Amen. If you have never repented of your sins, today is your day. If you've never been baptized in Jesus' name, we've got robes and towels. The water's ready. We'll baptize you in Jesus' name today. Amen. Your sins will be washed away, and God will fill you with the gifts of the Holy Ghost. You'll speak in a language that you never learned, just like they did on the day of Pentecost over 2,000 years ago. This is the original church. Come on, somebody. This is the church. You're part of the church of God. You're part of his body today. Hallelujah. So I wonder if before we do anything else, if we would just step out, just step out of your seat. Take somebody by the hand. If there's somebody that needs to be at this altar today, don't let them stand there and say, come on, man, you need to go with me. We got to get rid of this pride in our life. We got to get rid of this stubbornness. We got to turn this stuff over to God and let him work. And if you, if you don't, if you can't move out of your seat, then pray right, right, right where you're at. Don't, don't even hesitate, but begin to pray right now and ask God to forgive you. Ask God to begin to move in your heart and in your life. Say, God, forgive me. I, I'm going to give some instruction, but I want you to start praying right now. As you begin to pray, some of you that want to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, what you need to do is repent of your sins. Amen. You need to acknowledge that you have sinned. You need to acknowledge that you have done wrong, and you need to ask God to forgive you. Purpose in your heart and in your mind that you are not going to allow sin to remain in your life. Amen. Start talking to God right now in your own words. Say, God, forgive me. I want you to cleanse me. And as he brings stuff into your mind, Amen. I want you just to acknowledge it and admit it. Amen. And let God begin to forgive you for those sins that you have committed. Amen. If there's anything in your life that's not pleasing to God, I want you to start speaking it right now. God, forgive me. God, make me right. Lord, I want to be pleasing before you. Hallelujah. God, I've lied. I've cheated. I've done things with my body that I'm not, I'm not proud of, God. I've, I've allowed things to come in, Lord, that I know that you're not pleased with. God, would you please forgive me for the evil things that I've said with my mouth, for the evil thoughts that I've thought with my mind, for the evil places that I've gone with my feet, and the evil things that I've done with my hand. God, would you forgive me? God, would you cleanse me? Would you make me what you want me to be today? Hallelujah. Come on, in your own words, start talking to him. Amen. And then as you do, you're going to begin to praise him and thank him. Amen. For what he is doing right now, which is taking your sins away. He has forgiven you for those sins. And in just a few moments, if you've not been baptized in Jesus' name, you can be baptized in Jesus' name. And the blood of Jesus that was shed at Calvary can wash away those sins and bring that balance that you've been looking for. And he'll fill you with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Come on, talk to him right now. Reach out to somebody close to you. You draw to you. You said if you be lifted, you draw to you. So draw me, draw me
said if you be lifted, you draw. 